Welcome to Interruptions Podcast, where we have heartfelt and sacred discussions about our culture, faith traditions, and community. We invite guests who are open and willing to share their journey and disrupt the silence on their personal and professional interruptions that have impacted their lives as it relates to emotional wellness. Kathy and I are passionate about every episode and committed to providing actionable advice that you can apply today to reinvent yourself and encourage you to develop a path toward healing. Our podcast today is called Moving Past the Diagnosis. I am one of your co-hosts, Reverend O. And I am your other co-host, Coach Kathy. Hey, hey, Coach hi. Kathy. How are you? <laughs> I am well in yourself. <laughs> I am good. Low cold, low cold today. It was looked beautiful, but it, you know, you step outside and then you're like, okay, it's just not April yet. It's still no, cold. it's just a little chilly. <laughs> it's a little chilly. I um and and giving honor. I went to the church this morning as we gave respect to our dear deacon, Deacon Regina Mosley. So I would just yes. like to say a prayer to her family. So yes. that was a tough one today. So this is one of those days you say, I, when I have to be Reverend Odell. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. today yeah. was a day that I needed to be Reverend Odell. Mm-hmm. And Reverend Odell was emotional. And I allowed myself to be emotional today. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. Beautiful spirit. Beautiful spirit. Yes. Yes. But in keeping with our theme this month, this is Autism Month. And I have more questions for you and Tracy about Autism Month. So we have to bring to the screen, to the floor, to our conversation today. (laughs) We like to to all of them. We like (laughs) to welcome Tracy Foskey to the screen, to the floor that will be joining us for conversation. Hi, Tracy. Hello, thank you for the invite. How are you today? I'm good. And you? Um, great. It's a, I would say it's a Friday, but it's no, it's a Monday, it's, it's a Tuesday. Well, I don't even know what today is. You are so far from Friday. If you oh, yeah. Friday, you're not going to have a good week. <laughs> Unless you're still reminiscing on Good Friday. I understand. Oh, yes. Yes. So, so even though you're, I not say even though you are my sorority sister, I have to ask, how did you and Kathy meet? A mutual friend, Jacqueline Patrick, introduced me to Kathy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and to Teal. Oh, I love Teal. Teal has um, <laughs> come to a lot of the activities we have for the foundation. I love Teal. I haven't seen her in a while. No, no. <laughs> big news with her. So we'll share that. <laughs> oh, great. Great. <laughs> so, yes. So, Tracy, we welcome you to Interruptions, Disrupting the Silence. And you and I talked like a month ago about this schedule, this podcast. But what I would like for you to do is tell people something about Tracy that we don't know that we can't Google or find on LinkedIn. Okay. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm, um, I'm a single mom of a 17 year old, soon to be 18 year old. 
I'm Troy. We call him TJ. I'm a social worker for the state of Connecticut, have been for the past 22 years. And I'm, I, I am a member of um, the best sorority in the nation, <laughs> oh, Delta Sigma no Sorority Incorporated. <laughs> oh, I think we're going to have to cut. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I started um, my foundation, Total Joy Are You Autism Foundation, in 2015. Okay. So, founder so now, owner of the foundation. And we're going to ask you all about that. But tell us something else, because everything you just told me, I can Google. When I found oh, on Google, LinkedIn, um, I can Google. You got to remember, you have a foundation. You're, hey. you know, social worker. You're on LinkedIn. You have to add that information. <laughs> oh, what can I say? I'm a people person. I love people. I love helping people. And I am a member of God's Miracles Unlimited Outreach Ministries in Hamden, Connecticut, where okay. I'm in, I'm the youth advisor. Okay. Well, that's okay. Okay. Now, who's the, who's your pastor? Pastor Peggy Joyner, Doctor Pastor Peggy Joyner. Okay, I do yes. not know her. Congratulations. Yes, I didn't know that. So thank yes. you. Yes. <laughs> yes, I've been with the ministry for over 16 years. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Yes, that's wonderful. They picked a good person. Thank you. <laughs> Different no. colors, but they picked a good person. <laughs> so, Tracy, Tracy, how many children do you have? I only have one, but I raised a niece and a cousin. Um, I took in my niece at one and a half years old and raised her up until she was able to move out on her own. So make up until like 21. And I had a little cousin I took in. She was nine months and she went, she was reunified back with her mom when she was five years old. Oh, nice. So I had kids before I had a kid. That's beautiful. Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. So Tracy, as you know, um, April is autism month and we again want to recognize those people or families that have a child or then the, they themselves is are autistic. And um, Tracy, again, it's great to see you. We are both moms of children that were diagnosed with autism. And last, our last podcast, I kind of shared my story as to how um, my daughter was diagnosed with autism. Can you share with us how you found out or how, what did the diagnosis look like? How did you find out that your child was autistic? Um, so I, um, my son's godparents, I went to college with, and I had my son in July, 2004, and they had their daughter in April, 2004. So, you know, when conversing and talking about how the kids are doing, I noticed, and I know we shouldn't compare kids, but I noticed their daughter was meeting milestones and my son wasn't, he wasn't giving eye contact. He wasn't talking. He wasn't doing any of that. He was battling. And so at that time, I brought that to his pediatrician's attention. He made a referral to birth to three. Um, birth to three did an assessment like two months shy of his third birthday. So we were only able to work with the program for two months because after that you aged out. And they di initially the diagnosis was speech language delay, delays. Mm -hmm. um, he started the preschool at St. Aidan's and they noticed he wasn't meeting milestones with like the rest of his peers. So they made a referral to the early childhood assessment team, ECATS in the city of New Haven. And that's when we got the autism diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny you said that. Um, so for that time period, Tracy, so you didn't 
get to refer him or did you not talk to your doctor until later like closer to when he was turning three or? it was closer to when he was turning okay. three because initially okay. i was like he initially i think i was in denial i was like he doesn't talk because i'm not a talker and if anyone knows me i really don't like to talk so i was kind of using that as a reason as to why he didn't talk um, mm -hmm. as well as his father, the family members would say, well, his father did, didn't talk at that age either. So mm -hmm. I was kind of mm -hmm. thinking it was just, he was just getting those behaviors from me and his dad. Mm -hmm. But, um, once I met with the pediatrician and he did the referral, we did think it was speech language delayed, but it wasn't until when he got into an environment where he was with his peers that they started to notice other things. And, the, um, referral to the early childhood assessment team was made. Okay. Okay, thank you for sharing that. So Tracy, I know, thank you. And I, I know when Kathy shares her story, her story, she told us last session that her daughter's head size was small. It wasn't growing and she was smaller. So was your son growing normally in, in, in size? Yes. And I think it was probably everything. He was meeting... He was doing everything right except for the eye contact. And sometimes when I would call his name, he wouldn't respond. Um, okay. Other than that, I didn't have any other concerns. Okay. So I know because you told us that, no, you told us in the beginning and I Googled you. Um, <laughs> is So you are a full-time social worker with the state. Yes. And you started a foundation, Total Joy. Yes. Why did you start a foundation? Okay. We're definitely going to say my son was my inspiration, okay. but it wasn't. And again, I did mention I worked for the state for 22 years. So I work with families and, you know, connected family to resources when needed. So I kind of knew how to navigate the PP, I mean, the, the special education system. And it's like God was just prepping me because he just knew that one day I would need it for my personal reasons. And so one day, um, my son got a notice for a um, PPT meeting. A letter was sent home in his book bag. I know that's not the process based on my experience with working with other families. I know that the team is supposed to reach out to the families, see when they're available, and work on, work on that individual education plan together. So when that notification came home on a Friday, the meeting was on a Tuesday, Monday, I called immediately and said, you know, how did you know I would be available? How did you know I could take this time away? So at that point in time, I knew it wasn't all about me. I was more so concerned about the parents that didn't know their rights and the parents that were looked as being neglectful because they couldn't take the time for work or because they didn't know that they didn't have to attend that meeting and that meeting should work in their schedule. So not only did I want to be a voice for my child, I want to be a voice for someone else's child as well. And finding a note in a book bag, that was a miracle in and of itself, especially in a boys book bag at school trying to, that's amazing that you found that letter. Good thing you looked through there. It is a good thing. And the good thing is, what about the parents that don't look through their kids' book bags? That's I had right. a parent um, on my caseload who didn't even know how to read. So what about that parent who probably saw that, that notification, but just couldn't read it or comprehend what was going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, thank you. You know, Tracy, when we 
when Kathy and I prep and we talk about our podcast and our guests that we want to come on, um, she said to me, oh, you got to get your Soroy. <laughs> you know, she has a foundation. And I was like, who? And she said, Tracy. And I was thinking, Tracy, what about what? You know, so it was just... Really? So then I had to go out and I had to Google you. And as I'm talking to other Soroys about you, they say, well, Tracy's coming on your show. Be prepared to ask her question because she doesn't talk. (laughs) (laughs) And I do. They're like, she will answer your question, but you're going to have to pull it out of her. (laughs) So that's why I didn't want to prep you ahead of time with any questions. So, as you know, we talk about life interruptions on the show, as you and I discussed before. And we don't want to make the assumption that finding out that your child has autism was your first real life interruption. So, would you share with us what would you say your life interruption was? Um, Mm. So, when I wrote the book Interruptions, you know, it was a chance to help me to go back and take a look at my life. And Kathy still has a hard time believing that I was a stutterer. So that was a huge interruption in my life because I couldn't talk and people would make fun of me because I was stuttering or would complete my sentences. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn to get over and around and rebuild my confidence and self-esteem because being a stutterer um, comes with a lot of baggage. And Kathy goes, I can't believe you was a stutter. I'm like, yeah. That's well, family. because unlike Tracy, Tracy, she talks all the time. And so <laughs> I'm making up. I can't even believe she was a stutterer. So. <laughs> I'm making up for years of not talking. <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> you made up really, really well. <laughs> so what about you, Tracy? What would you say would would have been, um, and interruptions are good or bad. So mm. it could be anything that jolted you and said, this is not what I had planned. This is not mm. what I expected. And what the heck am I doing here? <laughs> mm. I'm going to have to say my son's diagnosis. Okay. Again, I raised two kids. So that was very, very new to me. And although I work in, you know, the social work field and we're advocating for families. It was different when I had to advocate for my child because, again, as you know, I am not one who talked, but I knew I had to be his voice because he couldn't. So that was a life interruption and it was a positive for me because it allowed me to use my voice, not only for my son, but for others and not even the ones on my caseloads, but for my community as well. Tracy, I'm glad you said that because you said, talked about you being a social worker and, and that's my background as well um, and, and have an MSW. But when it came to having to deal with this process, it was, like you said, very different. And so we're ready. We're ready to you know, share with parents what they need to do. We're ready to jump right in and point them in the right direction. But boy, when it was time for us, it can really be difficult because you are seeing it from a, a very different light. So for you, you started a foundation, which is awesome. What was your biggest struggle, if there were any, when you tried to establish your foundation? It just, uh, my biggest struggle, I would think, is I, I can get the support groups together. I can get the activities together. But it was more so of letting someone else help. I just want to do everything. Mm. 
I don't feel like I, I, I had a problem with trusting that people will treat my baby, my foundation the way I did. So, I mean, it took a long time for me to let go and allow other people to come in and to help. So I probably didn't establish a board until like three years into it. And it, and that probably, it, and the same thing, I know I, I struggled, Tracy, as you did, not so much with a foundation, but I struggled allowing other people to help my daughter as well. Mm. And I think it was a big hurdle for me because I felt like she had a physical therapist, which she was wonderful. The physical therapist was wonderful. The whole, everyone that was involved with her in the birth of three program was wonderful. But I can tell you when this physical therapist would come into my home, I just felt like hatred towards her. Mm -hmm. like, oh my God. She, and then, and then she, you know, she would move my daughter's muscles and my daughter would, um, you know, start to cry. And she's like, you know, it's not hurting her. It's just uncomfortable for her because she's not used to using those muscles. And I would get so angry, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm, you know, the little side. <laughs> and, I, and, then, and I felt horrible because I knew I was being mean and I felt so horrible because that's just not me. But I think what happened after I realized and in trying to go through everything that um, I recognized that God was putting me through. I think it, it definitely wasn't the person that I didn't care for. It was the fact that I was the mother mm -hmm. and I was supposed to help her speak. And I was supposed to be the person that taught her to walk. And I had these strangers coming into my home doing what I as the mother was supposed to do. And I think that that's the biggest, like you said, you have to allow other people to help you because otherwise you stay stagnant as does your child. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had that same experience with his speech therapist. I used to be like, I'm supposed to be the one teaching him this. But again, she went to school for that. I didn't. So, you know, uh, yeah. You know, God gives us wisdom and knowledge and, um, and, you know, faith without works is dead. And, you know, I exercised my faith. I did my work and I needed someone to come in to, you know, assist me on that journey. And she's been awesome. She's actually worked with him for the age of three up until the pandemic. Yeah. Wow. And Good. she and he she's been an awesome, awesome resource for us and we still you know call her and use her for things when needed we establish that that you know relationship with her so tracy for our audience uh what is the difference between a foundation and a 501c3 there is a no non-profit there is there is it's the same so a non-profit a five so starting a 501c3 non-profit is the same as a foundation yes Okay. It, it, it's all, I mean, mine's is a 501c3. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you called it a foundation versus a nonprofit. So I was just asking you about language. It was just something I came up with. And initially it was, um, we are licensed as an LLC and I just kind of, you know, consulted with the accountant and realized that it could be a 501c3 because that was the ultimate goal to get it to be a nonprofit okay. um, organization. So it's a nonprofit now. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. So you've, you've talked about some of the struggles. Let's talk about the joys of this hey. foundation. You know, what awareness. You said you started it because you wanted to be a voice for other mothers. And... 
that's, you know, when Kathy and I talk about what we do and how interruptions got started, it's, it's the same purpose. We got started to be a voice, to help be a voice for, for mothers who were silent, who were living with their pain and not having the courage to share and to talk about what's going on. You know, all the various myths and stigmas that we have in our culture. So this podcast that you're on is to do just that, bring awareness, to be a voice for others. This is what Kathy and I do. But talk to us about, one, some of the joys that you have in your foundation, and what awareness are you trying to make? Uh, first, the, um, the joys is um, having parents come in and utilize the resources and hearing about the success stories. Like we had a mom that didn't know about the transition program at Gateway for children's post high school graduation. And her son is working in that program and doing doing well. Um, then we had a mom again who didn't know her rights and how that she could go in there and she should be helping them formulate that individual education plan for her child. And once she was able to voice that, things have been working out better for her child. So it's just, you know, giving them a voice and seeing them use the tools provided and being that support to them when needed. Um, so, sec- go ahead. I'm sorry. No, where is your, are you brick and mortar? Are you virtual? How do people find you? I know we're going to talk more about this later, but when you say can access your resources, how does someone access resources with you? Um, we're virtual now. Um, soon to be going back into person. Um, in person, we were in person. And so we would meet at local facilities. I think our last meeting spot was, um, oh gosh, the the facility on Nickel Street. We were meeting there and having groups there. Um, I can't even think of the name now. I'm so sorry, I got brain freeze. We were That's meeting okay. in my church lobby. We were meeting at Panera Bread, you know, anywhere that we can do a meeting. And then we do social activities with the kids. We do bowling, we do skating, we do movies. We go to the local library. We do some arts and crafts. Um, We will be meeting at the cute house. Um, I have established that. So once, um, I know they're opening up, but I think we'll start meeting in September only because I just want to be a little more on the safe side. Mm -hmm. But until then, everything is virtual. And the meetings are once a month every second Thursday. And then we have a father support groups every second Saturdays of the month. And both are virtual. Very nice, very nice. Who leads your um, father's group? We um, had Bill, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bill Moore. Wife is the wife coach, Brenda Moore. Not sure. And um, we had Leonard Jihad. He was a part of that group. He's a part of that group. And okay. William Outlaw. Um, both have okay. children on the spectrum and have been um, very um, supportive in the groups. Very good. Very good. So go ahead, Kathy. No, go ahead. Nope. I'm just, I'm just, I have so many questions for you. Now I asked you about your joy your awareness that you're bringing and your joy. So you're bringing awareness. So what's your joy? Because I, I cut you off in the midst of you sharing your joys. My joy is my joy, TJ. And TJ's name is TJAY. And that's where the acronym for Total Joy Are You comes from. Um, okay. He is my joy. And just like he is a joy, all the other children on the spectrum are a joy as well. <laughs> so he is my joy and... 
the rest of the children on the spectrum. And I don't call it a disability. I call it a different ability. And they just, mm. you know, learn at a different rate from their peers. And how old is TJ now? 17. He'll be 18 July 9th. And he'll be graduating June 17. Graduating from where? Congratulations. New Haven Academy. Okay. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tracy, one of the things that we spoke about in um, the our last podcast is the difference. And I, and you know, I really, I don't want to say it this way, so give me a minute to clean it up. Um, but the difference between when the moms find out and, and the dads find out about their child having um, autism or any disability. And so um, I don't want to say that usually the moms are more accepting than the dads, because that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. It certainly wasn't the case in, in my situation. But do, because you said that you have a father's group that meets, do you find that it's been helpful for them in dealing with their child's disability? Or did they not have an issue? Did they recognize from the beginning that their child had a disability? That's a great question because Bill and Brenda Moore are husband and wife, and then the other fathers are single dads. And so I think there is a big difference. I know for me, um, probably for about three months, I was in denial, like not my son. And I still think my son's father is in denial. He doesn't think anything is wrong with his son. And no, there's nothing wrong with your son. He just needs additional, our son, he just needs additional support. Mm -hmm. um, and William reached out to me and Mr. Jihad has always been supportive in his daughter's life. Um, and again, I think it depends on the individual. Each person is, is different. I think both, all fathers were just, you know, supportive from day one. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. You know, that's, that's, um, that's very different most fathers. So we have two fathers who are engaged, but you said TJ's father is still in denial. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think he's in denial? TJ, TJ has other siblings and, you know, those, those children are fine and his child and TJ's fine. All of his kids are fine in his eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Grandparents, are they around? Yes, both both sets of grandparents are around and very supportive. My mom lives in the home with me and TJ. And mm -hmm. so I never think I'm a single mom because I'm blessed to have my mom around helping. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's a great resource and she's been on it from day one. Um, she started a, grand, a grandparent, a, a support group for grandmothers. Um, nice. but due to her health, she had to kind of shy away from that, but we're going to bring it back because there are a lot of grandparents raising children with different abilities and we want to just have that, those resources available to them as well. I'm, uh, yes, I have a granddaughter who lives with me or I live with her. I'm not really sure how it goes. <laughs> you, li you live with her. Let me clarify. You yes. You know, um, you know, thank, you know, um, we're blessed. She doesn't have a disability other than liking the colors pink and green. She's colorblind <laughs> along the way. Now that's you know, a disability. <laughs> 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 
not like to that. me. I think she's <laughs> just fine. You know, Tracy, it's one thing just to like the color pink, but she goes pink and green. So, you know, it's together. So, at a very early age. You know, my daughter is 30, so we're all three generations in the house together. And, you know, she says to me, thank you, mom. I'm glad you're here. And I just keep remembering back when she said that she was pregnant. And I said, you're, you're not prepared to be a single parent. And she would say, this has nothing to do with you. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not going to be a single parent. And I'm looking at her like, OK, this is going to be the hardest job you've ever had. So. She, I know that she's thankful that I'm here to pick up the load. And when you said your mom is there and I know you're thankful because we do it out of love, mm-hmm. you know, being that grandparent that's there and being able to help. But I love being grandma. I can send them home. Go, <laughs> not, not home, but go to your room. <laughs> go to that's your room. Funny. That's but Tracy, anything... I know you've done great work just even being able to help parents be a voice when they didn't know that they had to. Is there any one story that sticks out that you want to share with us of being able to help a parent? Mm, There's so many. Um, Can it go back to, okay, within the foundation or just within personal or within professional? Does it matter? You pick. You're you're our guest. You share. Okay. I'm going to share a story um, of a a client I had, and I was working with her, the family, due to um, domestic violence. And, um, you know, we were advocating and we were advocating to get her the services and the support she needs as far as housing. You know, and you just go in, you never go in, you go in there, you know, you want to hear the end results, but sometimes the cases go along and you don't get to hear the end results. And just last year, um, she emailed me, she inboxed me and she said, I just want to thank you. She said, you may not know. She said, but you've been the best worker I've I've had. Um, And she said, I've learned from you. I've now gone back to school and I'm advocating for other parents. So just to hear that story, if I can help just one person, then I know my living is not in vain. So just hearing that story and knowing that there, there are some clients and there are some individuals that are listening and taking it all in. And sometimes it may not be at your time, it'll be in their timing. Well, in God's timing. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful one when you can know that you're helping to make a difference mm-hmm. and somebody finally gets it. So, Tracy, I have, with your permission, we have an intern that is working with uh, Kathy and I, and her name is Maya Drawn. So Maya's 15. She goes to um, Sacred Heart, Sacred Heart High School in Hamden. And she has helped us build some questions that she had about autism. So I've got a series of questions that we're going to throw at you, okay? (laughs) It's like, ding, 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 the bell's going to go off. (laughs) So... TJ, we know that kids are not always nice and kids don't understand language that uh, another child has special needs. So when did TJ tell you that kids were being mean to him and how did you handle it? 
Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. See, you're like, <laughs> I said, take these earrings off. How we I do this? I can't. It um, actually, it was in um, um, middle school. So more so elementary, because he went to a school that transits from K through A. So it was in um elementary school, and he came home and he was talking about a little boy that kept picking with him and picking with him, and so um. I had to call a meeting just to see what was going on. <laughs> I didn't want to just go there and be like, show me the little boy. And, you know, we had, we sat down and we talked and um, I guess the little boy was picking with TJ because he didn't know there was something different about TJ. Okay. And so, you know, what do I do? <laughs> Put on my mommy cap. Let's come in and educate your class on autism awareness. And so from there, um, we did that. And I think TJ kind of after that didn't really want to tell me when people was picking on him because he didn't want me to always think I should be educating people on his diagnosis. Um, and, and sometimes still he'd be like, I wish I wasn't autistic. I'd be like, but you're, you're who God made you. So we're still working on that. Um, okay. And we had an issue in high school where the kid was picking on him. And TJ's last name is different from mine. And so when one of his cousins got a win of the little, the girl picking on TJ, um, she addressed her. She was like, oh, I didn't know that was your cousin. She said, well, now you do, and I need for you to leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to speak hey. to her like, you guys, just let me handle this. I don't want this to blow up to be something something it doesn't need to be because we don't want to, we know kids can be cruel, so we just want to educate them. And sometimes it's not the kid's fault. They're just not learning at home. So we just want to educate them. Right. And there are times that we didn't know. Yeah, um, yeah. We don't we don't have the language. We were never taught the some of us were not always taught the the mental health, the mental illness language mm -hmm. to attach to our everyday behaviors. Exactly. We would just call them slow mm -hmm. or, you know, or whatever. As I had mentioned at our last podcast, when I heard an adult talk about it, I thought the adult said autistic. So artistics, I'm thinking an artist. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, why is the father mad that their child likes to draw? <laughs> you know, so that's what I'm thinking that this, that, you know, my cousin is artistic. I didn't, I didn't learn till later in life what autism was. Mm -hmm. And you hear a lot of parents talk about because they got the, um, um, the, the, the measles shots. So they didn't want their kids to get the MMR shot because that contributed to autism mm -hmm. and, you know, all kinds of medicine they blame on everyone that we've, that we talked about, but yes, it's, um, it's tough, but now I see why you, all, all three of us are talking today. Cause you <laughs> went out and you said, we're going to teach everybody. And I had that's to turn a, that negative into a positive. That's yeah. Right. That's, that sounds like Kathy. That's a Kathy Patton move. We're going to have a workshop. We're going to, we're going to talk about it in church. Yes. yes. You know, yeah. you want to exercise? We're going to do it during warm up. So yes. <laughs> So another question we have for you. So as a parent, having a child with autism, Kathy shared with us an adjustment that she had to, she had two children. So she realized, and I'm telling your story, Kathy, but it shows that I was listening, <laughs> that, you know, her son, she didn't pay much attention to her son mm -hmm. when she was going through her interruption. Um, for me, 
when I went through my interruption, I my daughter was invisible to me because I was in just that much pain. But yours was a, you all were different. You didn't lose. I don't even want to say you didn't lose a child. I want to put words into your mouth. But how did you have to adjust to having a child with autism? What changes did you have to make in your personal life? Oh, the plan wasn't for me to be in Connecticut this long. <laughs> the plan was for me to be out of Connecticut, but I just didn't want to uproot myself and have to start researching and searching for services mm. all over again. And I knew where my supports were. Um, so that was a drastic change. And still, like, I plan to relocate when he graduated from high school. But again, he's not going to accept his diploma. He's going to get a certificate and he's going to do the off-campus classroom in the um, city of New Haven. Board of Education will be responsible for him until he's 22 years old. So again, we'll wait till he's 22 years old. Or if I feel like he's ready prior to that age, then we'll relocate. But the plan was not for me to be in Connecticut this long. But I'm here. And I'm here for a reason. Okay. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> now, 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 Kathy, don't think you're off the hook because I have a question for you. You uh -oh. have also started a new initiative. So the floor is yours. Please talk to us about your new initiative. I did. I did. So um, because Teal is um, an, an adult, I wanted to uh, really help parents that still, believe it or not, are struggling um, because they didn't seek services for their adult child that has autism or another type of disability. So trying to help those parents learn how to transition their child into, um, into a lifestyle that will help them become more independent. And so um, my or organization is called I Am Me. And the mm. reason I named that, um, because when, when my daughter was really young, uh, while you would not know it now, she didn't start talking until she was four. And she actually, we were watching Maya Angelou on um, television and she went up to the TV and one of Teal's, um, one of her things is how she got to know a person was by touching their face. And that was a sensory um, touch for her. And she would feel whether she liked that person or, or that she would just follow the, the, the lines of their face. And so she saw Maya Angelou on television and went up to the TV and said, mommy, I like her face. And I just started crying. I was just a mess, just because she really hadn't been speaking. Um, and then she she sat on my lap and I had my glasses on, thank goodness, because tears were just like coming everywhere. And um, she looked in my glasses and she said, mommy, I see me in your eyes. And what that did for me was to say, however I look at her, that's how she's going to look at herself. Mm -hmm. However I view her and treat her, that's what she is going to think of herself. So I knew from then I had to treat her as if I wanted her to have the same lifestyle, maybe at a slower pace than her brother and any other child. Mm -hmm. So why I named it I Am Me, because that is truly, actually, I asked her, I gave her choices, and that's what she chose, because as you know her, and she is her, there is no other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is no other like her. And so I'm helping parents with the adult phase of um, 
having uh, an adult now with autism because it is still a struggle and we try to make their life as normal as possible and tracy so my my announcement for you is that teal has moved into a supervised apartment she's been wow. there for a week i know talk I about interruptions <laughs> go ahead kathy yeah. put it on the table so people yeah. can hear come on oh, i was a mess I was a mess. I was like, oh my God. But, um, and Jackie actually was one of the people that helped me move her in and my uh, sorority sister Candace and obviously her dad. Um, but I was trying to have a moment with her, like, you know, when I was getting ready to leave her apartment, we had decorated her room to look beautiful. And she was like, okay. And I was like, well, Teal, you know, I'm holding her and then wanted to Talk to her. She said, okay, but I got to go with my friends. All right. <laughs> so, said, oh, thank you for helping me. And she hugged Jackie. And she just kind of kicked us to the curb. And she was like, okay, I'm ready to start this new life. But she's done tremendous. She hasn't um, really been calling us, but she is living the life that she actually was a part of in making wow. these decisions. And so, awesome. think, yeah, and I think it's important that as you have a, um, a child that's getting to TJ's age and older, that they have become part of the decision making, because prior to that, you're always sitting like, am I making the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? But when you sit them down and they, you know that they understand and they become part of that decision making, then it makes it a little bit easier. Um, so that is that's her journey right now. She's been doing well. Um, and I'm so proud of her. Awesome, Tim. Awesome, mom and dad. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, I was at the house, Tracy, mm -hmm. and you're going to be moving out, you know, get yourself together. It's time, you know, all this, you know, she and Garland, it's time. That's right. It's time. And then I talked to her last week and she is a bucket of tears. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> What happened to that mom with the head moving? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I knew it was going to be challenging. It's just, you know, like when we send our kids off to college, I cried yeah. when I sent Jackie and, you know, I took my son to college because it's a interruption in our pattern. You know, the house is quieter, you know, that energy that that person bring or the activity because they're in your space is gone. Mm -hmm. And that's been a big challenge for Jackie and I when with, with, with our interruption, my son not being here because he had all this energy and life. And then it's like the life left the house mm -hmm. and we had to adjust. So Kathy knows what that feeling is because it's quiet, mm -hmm. you know, and you have to figure out how to deal with the quiet, how to adjust to it. Yeah. Sometimes that quiet is deafening, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, is. it is. It is. Tracy, um, Maya also, our intern, asked a really good question. I honestly don't know the answer to this. I should have researched it. But she asked if there's any instruments that could help a doctor um, determine autism at an earlier stage. So I thought that was a really insightful question. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't think there are. I think, I mean, because, I mean, now that it's more and more, you know, on the forefront, they're probably, you know, the testing now that they're doing, because remember, um, it was just a diagnosis. Now it's a spectrum. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what do you so mean? I, I'm sorry. Spectrum and this thing diagnosis. Is just the autism diagnosis. Um, now you okay. have the ADHD, the ODD, the. Okay. Yes, because Troy, my son is diagnosed with autism, but we didn't get the ADHD diagnosis until middle school. Mm -hmm. And so I think the testing is a lot more different than it was from his initial diagnosis when he was initially diagnosed. So, so I don't have to do my research on that as well because I don't know. So when you say the spectrum, so when someone, I'm trying to put it in perspective for our listeners. So with autism, there are different levels of autism. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yes. So you can, someone could be ADHD or you, or you mentioned something else. OCD. Okay. Mm -hmm. OCD. So there's ADD. What's ADD? There's pervasive development disorder. Okay. It's PDD. Okay. Um, it's just, a, it's, it's a broader range now mm -hmm. than it was when the diagnosis initially came out. It's called autism spectrum disorders and not autism. Okay. Mm -hmm. And parents should, your recommendation is if parents see something, think something that they should have Say their something. child tested. Say something. Yes. yes. The earlier, the, the, better. Yeah, yeah, the earlier, the better. TJ was diagnosed at the age of three. Um, and I think the, the earlier the intervention, the better. Mm -hmm. So he's been he receiving speech therapy from the age three up until 16. What do you say to these parents that are out there that are yelling at their grandchildren or their child, sit down, stop moving, pay attention, I'm calling you. You know, they're, they're yelling at them out of anger because of their behavior. And they're around, and, and, I, and I say this story because, I don't want to say this, because a friend of mine was this weekend around kids. And they noticed that this one two-year-old and a five-year-old, the two-year-old was acting like a two-year-old but the five-year-old was acting more like the two-year-old. Mm -hmm. And it was obvious. And the parent was yelling, sit down, you're not listening, you know, over and over again. And they said, because they had heard our show, they knew what we were doing. They said, I bet you that child has autism. And the parents are in denial. What happens with if a parent doesn't get a child the help they need? and they grow up to be teenagers or adults. What does that look like? I think you're doing a disservice to the child. Um, it's a disservice to the child because the child has missed all this help. And now say for example, um, um, the child is now Till's age. Um, Till's parents were able to get her the services to, to help her to you know go along her journey. Now this child, because grown up all his or her life thinking there's nothing wrong don't mm -hmm. have the support and now you may have a child that's acting up as an adult so now you have to deal with the criminal justice system possibly or probably can't hold down a job or probably can't function in relationships so it's doing a disservice to the child the, the child once that child becomes an adult because this child doesn't know and not even knowing in, in your employer you can get the additional support in college you can get the additional support and when you go into a relationship and you understand that you're different then you can explain that to the person so they'll know how to better deal with you and understand you.
Thank but you. if a person don't know that, like you say, you think that person is just acting out or just ignoring you or just shutting down, not knowing that there's something deeper than that. I think the other thing too is that autism has a name now. Uh, earlier on when Teal was initially diagnosed, it was developmental delays mm -hmm. and not until different uh, circumstances starting occurring and being observed, did they then move to be able to say autism. And so we, what we don't want to say is that, I think Tracy's saying it the best, that if you start to notice something, to say something, because you can't just assume it's going to be a diagnosis of autism. Mm -hmm. It could be something very simple that their diet is off, that something in the food that they're eating is causing them to act that way. You know, if you give a, you give a five-year-old a cupcake, I mean, they're going to be running around, mm. <laughs> right? And so if their <laughs> diet is full of sugar, then that could be causing it. So this, the best thing to say is that if there's anything noticed to say something and then to also jot down when you're mm -hmm. noticing these circumstances and to check with the child if they're in daycare or with the teacher to ask them, have you noticed? I've noticed that at a certain point in the day that my child is doing this. Are you noticing that in school? As much information that you can gather and bring with you to see your um, child's physician, that will help determine the best way to go in terms of trying to figure out what's going on with your child. And again, people, and I, you know, Tracy and I know this all too well, that people are fearful of their child being referred for special services mm -hmm. or special education classes. No, not my child. No, not my child. I want them to be in a mainstream class. Well, they may very well be able to be, but what's going to be best for your child? Where are they going to get the most attention that they need in order to um, get the services they require? And just okay. to piggyback off of what Kathy just said, it could be diet, but also a child could be acting out because of sexual abuse, physical abuse, bullying. So there's so many dynamics. So don't automatically just think it's the diagnosis, but still say something because we have kids killing, each, killing one another. I mean, committing suicide because they're being bullied or yes. sexually abused or physically abused. So saying something is getting the help for that child before anything tragic happens. Mm -hmm. in a situation like that. Yep, I agree. Thank you. It's I on agree. you, Kathy. Yeah, so Tracy, one of the things that, um, one of the things that we always ask our guests that come on, um, how do you practice self-care? I think it's great that your mom is living in the home with you. So you get a little bit of break, right? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes. All the time. Still, there's I nothing can. like mommy. <laughs> there's nothing like mommy. But what do you do to practice self-care? And when the pandemic hit, I would walk every single day and work out two to three times a day. Um, in September of 2021, I kind of fell off. My, I had a health scare with my son. Um, he was hospitalized, had to have a temporary pacemaker. Um, he came home one week from school, and I'm thinking maybe he was diagnosed with, um, maybe he had COVID because I got the email from the school that somebody tested positive. He was complaining about a headache. And so I contacted the pediatrician the next day, took him in. 
And she asked him what was bothering him. He said his head and his chest. So I was like, well, maybe his chest is hurting because he was coughing a lot. He was really coughing a lot. So we went there. She, um, we kept him home for about two days. He went back to school that Thursday. He said he was fine. Came home Friday, went to a birthday party. We were leaving the birthday party. He said, my head and my chest hurt. I said, you know what? I can't ignore this. Let's go over to the hospital. Get over to the hospital. They run and test. And his heart was beaten at a 40. And I think the average heart rate is 65 or above. Um, and at that time, um, they couldn't stabilize the heart, the heart rate. So we had to go in and do the procedure. And I kind of fell off of my self-care because at this point in time, I need to care mm. for my son. Um, I got to get back on it. Walking, exercising, reading, getting massages when I can, taking girls trips, going out for a drink if I need to. Um, <laughs> that's, that's saying it. Um, that's saying it. it. I absolutely. Friends, reading, just doing me. But I really fell off and I actually need to get back into my routine. Now Please. that he's fine and we don't have to go to as many appointments because he's currently being followed by a cardiologist. Please okay. do. Please take time for yourself. It's a, it's a journey that this a interruption can cause where you forget about yourself. And it's important that you find yourself. So please stay strong. And I commend you that you and I have the same journey, same passion for our journey is being a voice for other parents to um, being able to have an outlet to get the help and the resources that they need. So I commend you. And thank you for being the voice for the voiceless, because <laughs> this this is not always easy, especially when people don't want to listen. Um, and yes. you're like, what do you mean? You're not paying attention to me. <laughs> so it's it's challenging. But we thank you for being in this space with us. Thank you, thank you. for inviting me. <laughs> so, Tracy, what Odell and I try to do is expose that a life interruption can sometimes be permanent or it can just be a moment in time. And so we talk about interruptions just as having a child with autism um, and dealing with that and, and dealing with the life change. But we also know that uh, there's a point in time where we have to sit and say we need to move forward. And so that's why we have people just like you that come on to talk about, yes, I may have been stuck in a moment, but I have learned to move forward because staying in one spot just does not um, help you or the situation that you're in. So we'll continue to discuss the impact of trauma and life interruptions and how a moment in time can actually uh, change our journey in life. Um, but I also want to allow Odell time to talk a little bit about her book and her training that I'm so very proud of her on that she has been able to take her life interruption and change it into something wonderful that is helping other other individuals, other families to move past being in their moment of trauma and moving on to find a moment where they can now reinvent themselves. So Adele, I'm gonna turn that to you. So say thank you. Um, Kathy and I have been, we decided I think last year to take interruptions to the community. And we, I wrote, like I had nothing else better to do, which I didn't, uh, <laughs> wrote a uh, mental health workbook that accompanies the book. And we have we did training classes during the pandemic, 
And now we're at the phase of launching our website. Uh, come around March, our new website, May, May, our new website is going to launch. And we're doing training at three churches um, in the community that are teaching interruptions, having conversations about the book. And starting next month in May, I'll be teaching the workbook interruptions at First Cathedral uh, Church in Bloomfield. So that's May and June and the train-to-trainer mm. session. So Clifford Beers con- contracted with interruptions. So we'll be doing those workshops at a church. So the churches are listening to the fact that our children need help. So thank you. Um, so it helps me to be able to share interruptions, not just losing a child to gun violence. Interruptions are anything that disrupts your life, that causes a ripple that we did not expect. And when people bring up these interruptions, I can say, go to our website, we have resources. Mm. So Tracy, please make sure we have a link to your website, um, information resources that you can share, and we will be more than happy to post on our interruption podcast. I will. Hopefully ladies can join us Saturday for our second annual autism awareness walk, um, the 23rd at the Q house, um, Saturday at 12 o'clock PM. Yes, I did see that. Um, Normally I would join you, but this Saturday is the anniversary of my interruption. So got you praying for you, sis. Thank you. So I'm going to do something different. Yes, you deserve that. Now your your trainings, are those virtual or in person? Both. Some some clients want them in person. Some clients want them virtually. So for right now, I whatever the client wants, okay. <laughs> as okay. long as we are um, honoring social distancing and respect that way. Okay. Yes. So I'm honoring whichever my whatever the church wants to to do, and okay. be in person or virtually. Okay. So, I will be in touch. I would like to bring that to the youth at my church. There I is will, a need. I will, I, yeah, there is. Thank you. I'll share it with you. Okay. Thank you so much. I got a great <laughs> marketing team that I've got to work with. <laughs> okay. And Tracy, thank you so much again for coming on and sharing your story. We really appreciate it. We know your journey has not been easy, but we appreciate you making that journey and learning to take others along with you. And for our audience, please do not forget to subscribe to yes. our, our station. Um, and I remember always that our message is for anyone that needs to hear it. And so please feel free to always share it with others. So thank you. Thank you for following thank us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us, so Roy. You're welcome. Thank that you again for so sharing That was so not necessary. <laughs> that was so not necessary. <laughs> I think we can edit that part out. <laughs> All right. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy.